Is Andy Reid going to input new wrinkles in his offense? We're going to get into all that today. Then we're going to do this podcast, his first mock draft. And to top it off, we'll get into other news on the team and around the league. So Chiefs Kingdom, with that being said, I'd like to welcome you all to the Kingdom Connect podcast. This is the Kansas City Chiefs podcast. You're with your host and producer, Eric Lupartis, certified trainer and performance coach. Changing lives and building better athletes is my jam. My training program is empowering lifestyles, and my motto is strong mind equals strong body. We're recording this episode on Friday, April 1st. This is the second episode of the podcast, and yep, like I said, it's April 1st. That means it's April Fool's Day. And to be honest with you, I cannot stand this day. Um, It just needs to be dead at this point. I do not like getting up on social media and seeing that our star players like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes traded to silly ass teams. I know it ain't real, but it's annoying. Anyways, let's talk some Chiefs. Um, So it's been kind of said around the league or at least around the team that there might be some... uh, there might be new changes, at least new wrinkles that Andy might be inputting into his offense. Now, when I say change, we all know who Andy Reid is. He's a pass guy. He's always going to be a pass guy. That's never going to change. He might change his formations of how they do it, but it will never be, you know, a complete run heavy team or a run and gun team because that's just not who he is. He doesn't like it. He'll never be about it. Um, he didn't even do it in his Philly, Philly days, so we can't expect him to change it here. And, um, anyways, but I don't think that the change really started this off season. I mean, we've seen major changes, but I don't think the real first change happened this off season. I think it happened last off season. Um, when we saw the injuries happen to the offensive line and Brett Veach realized that after we had lost the Super Bowl, because that was the ultimate reason why we lost, um, that we needed to get bigger, better and stronger. Those guys we had in the Super Bowl, obviously, a lot of them were backups due to injuries to our starters, but they were small. They couldn't stand a chance. They didn't have the reps that they needed to compete with that defensive line, that Tampa's defensive line that was really good that year. Um, And Brett Veach realized that. So, you know, it started by releasing Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. And that sucked. It it was a killer to Chiefs kingdom. But, you know, that was another that was a business decision that he had to make. And even though that he had said in his post uh, press conference that, oh, I feel like those guys might be ready by, you know, training camp. Well, then a week later, they're gone. So um, that was kind of what we had to do the first step. And that was by making the signing for uh, Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney, the left guard. Now, honestly, I'll be honest with you. I do think that he's a little overpaid. But for his play style, what he can do, he's very versatile. He can do a lot. He's strong. Uh, he can pass protect like no other um, he's just a smart player, you know. He they they say he's like a robot. He just he he won't stop, and that's good. You want that consistent player. So 
I understand why you paid him. I just personally wouldn't have paid him that much. I mean, he's kind of getting left tackle money. But they structured it in a way where they can take money out of it. And honestly, I think that's what they did this offseason. I think they restructured his deal. Um, and then our next thing before the draft was we uh, we traded for Orlando Brown. Now, beginning of the year was a little shaky. He he gave up some sacks and stuff, some pressures. But as the week's gone on, I think him and Pat started getting more comfortable with each other. And he's a big guy. He He really is. And... You know, compare him to uh, Eric Fisher. I mean, he he I don't want to say he dwarfs uh, Eric Fisher, but, you know, Eric Fisher is a very lean athletic left tackle and Orlando Brown. Yeah, he may have a little bit of a gut, but he's like super tall. He's like at least like six, six, I believe. And he's three hundred and three hundred and twenty to three hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, he's huge. He even might be even bigger than that. I don't have his uh, specific bio up, but, uh, you know, he's a run mauling uh, t- left tackle. He came from uh, Baltimore Ravens offense where they were a lot of pistol. They were a lot of gun and they just ran the ball all the damn time. And, you know, bringing him over was a nice addition. I, I hope Chiefs Kingdom can kind of give him another chance. We need to get him locked up. I know he hasn't signed the franchise. I think he may have signed the franchise tag. I don't know. They haven't reported anything. Hopefully, they can get a deal done with him so we can get that left tackle side uh, locked up. Um, And then we went to the draft, and he found a gem in Creed Creed Humphrey in the second round and then Trey Smith in the sixth round. And Creed Humphrey, I mean, he's the best center in football. It's... It's no debate. I know that he didn't get all pro. I know that he didn't get, you know, Pro Bowl and, you know, yet he was graded number one all year and it never changed. You know, he was that consistent. But I know that sometimes those those votings are a little bit more popular and I can understand why they want to give the older guys in. But still, I think anybody with eyes can see that Creed Humphrey deserved to get at least something. A matter of fact, I mean, I think he was even close to getting a second team all pro. I think he was third maybe in the votes, but I don't know. And, you know, like I said, Trey Smith, uh, six round pick. He is a mauler. I mean, you should see his tape. I, I remember a specific play and it was kind of a gif. It, it, it got turned into a gif where he just brutalized Max Crosby uh, you had uh, Andrew Wiley in for Lucas Niang because Lucas Niang was hurt. Andrew Wiley was there in right, right tackle. And he, um, you know, I think Max Crosby kind of tried to loop around him. And then fucking uh, Trey Smith just freaking used both his hands and just pounced his ass. I mean, you it was brutal. But that's just what Trey Smith does. I mean, he he can kind of get a little aggressive, a little handsy, a little flaggy. He's had he had a couple holds this year, but you know what? I want aggressiveness. I want that. And then you know you go over to the right tackle side. Now I know this is in question. It it we don't know. We don't know if it's going to be Lucas Niang or you know they they brought back Andrew Wiley. You know hopefully we can keep him as depth though. I personally think he's a guard, but they've been playing. They played him at right tackle and. I don't want to say this, I mean, in a bad way, but he went through the playoffs as a right tackle. And I don't re- recall him. Maybe he gave up a sack or two. I believe he may have did in the wild card, at least uh, TJ Watt. I mean, it's TJ Watt and it's him. <clears throat> but 
We don't want Andrew Wiley out there. I personally want Lucas Niang out there. He's a big guy. He fits the line. He's supposed to, like, there's a specific play. I can't remember what team we were playing, but uh, it was him and Trey Smith. I mean, they just gaping hole, gaping hole. I mean, CEH had all day. He could have literally sat down, had some tea, you know, did some laundry and shit and still would have made it through on time. And, you know, we need to figure out that side. I want Lucas Niang to be there because, you know, he's a powerful guy. And I think that's kind of what Andy wanted in this new offensive line. I think he wanted more powerful guys. Now, that was in hope that Clyde Edwards-Alaire can run, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he, you know, his problem has been injuries. And I know he had a couple fumbling problems in the beginning of the season, especially in that Baltimore Ravens game. And we killed him for it. We did. But you know what? It happened at a critical time. And um, his rookie year, he, you know, he was leading the league in rushing. You know, he was, he was doing pretty good in you know, his rookie year. But those injuries, those injuries started getting kept caught up to him. And Personally, me, I don't agree with taking a running back in the first round. I think a lot of people I've heard on plenty other podcasts of any draft analyst or any type of insider or any type of Chiefs fan that's been talking like the Casey Lab guys really they really hit on it. They literally say like, hey, do not take a freaking running back in the first round. You just don't do it because running backs can. You know, you can get them undrafted. You can get them in later rounds and stuff like that. And they're not they're, – there are positions that don't last long in the league. Like, LaDainian Thomason's an outlier. Adrian Peterson's an outlier. Frank Gore's an outlier. Like, those running backs are outliers. I mean, look at guys like Saquon Barkley. Zeke Elliott's dealt with some injuries. Christian McCaffrey. Derrick Henry is finally starting to get some injuries. I mean, running backs, they're the true definition of what the NFL stands for. And it's not for long because their positions just don't last long because they're constantly getting ran to the ground and getting hit all the damn time. So hopefully CEH can pick it up this year. I mean, health, I think he's still going to go into the uh, season as a starter. He's a first round draft pick. We, you know, it's kind of a, a, it's kind of a uh, like a seniority thing, if you want to put it that way. And, you know, the team loves him. And I, it's nothing against him personally. I mean, he's a good guy. I We didn't know that he had gallbladder surgery, and that's why he lost a lot of weight. And, he you know, he was playing under his normal size, so he couldn't have a lot of his power, you know, when he ran. But he's still – he's so small that he can't – when you're trying to run him like an outside zone or HB off tackle or something like that – he can't he can't see or hit the hole quick enough because he's too small. And so you're expecting him trying to see over these big ass linemen that we got now and it's it's just not working. And you know, he's better up the gut. He he's better with the fullback in front of him. He's better on inside handoffs. You know, short, you know, short line things, you know, even those stupid uh, you know, where it's like they cross over and Pat does a little shuttle shovel pass inside. You know, he's he's best at things like that. You know, you, you can't run him on these outside things. He's also better at pass catching. He's good in the screen game, and I don't know why we didn't – we just don't do that enough with him. You know, granted, maybe, again, it's the offensive line we have. I don't think Andy feels comfortable sending linemen that aren't that fast. I mean, we did see the screen game, but I think it started becoming more of the guards in the center. We started seeing the tackles were staying back because, 
Orlando Brown out in space is just not, it's not pretty. He's literally, he's got cinder blocks on his, in his freaking legs when he's running. So you just don't want that. And then they brought in, you know, they just signed Ronald Jones and that was a nice addition. He came from Tampa Bay. Um, I heard from uh, Tampa Bay fans that, you know, he has a, he has a fumbling problem and I've seen that before in games. Uh, he also sucks at pass, pass protecting. So they might have to put CEH in there on uh, third downs, but I think, you know, Roger should be your first and second down, uh, first and second down back. And I really personally think that this is why we have the line now, because we can kind of run those outside uh, zones with uh, Rojo and those HB off tackles. Maybe Andy Reid will consider running more on first and second down. That's the goal because, you know, with Pat, yes, you want to pass and it's Andy Ball. Andy Ball will always be pass. I mean, we dealt with Marty Ball in the 90s and that was run and defense. Now it's pass and hopefully your de- and now it's pass and hopefully your defense can hold a fucking lead and not let the other team score. So, um yeah, I mean that's kind of the goal. I mean, you're hoping that bringing in a guy like Ronald Jones who's a powerful runner, he, he reminds us a lot of Cream Hunt. He kind of has the same running characteristics. Um I'm not sure how he is with pass catching. I, you know, that was what Cream Hunt really excelled at was really more than not just his running abilities, but his pass catching was a beautiful. It was beautiful because he was able to, you know, not only get out in space. You saw it a lot in those New England games. He would just outrun guys. He would run guys over, break so many damn tackles. I mean, he literally made Pat's job so much fucking easier. And that was kind of the point that I believe why they brought in a guy like Ronald Jones, hoping that he can make Pat's life easier because we're not seeing it with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We're not. He can't stay healthy and. I mean, McKinnon, McKinnon was good towards the later year, last half of the season, but he was hurt a little bit during the middle of the year, and he was a little inconsistent in the beginning of the year. Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is a, is a, a workhorse. I appreciate everything that Daryl Williams has brought to Kansas City, but you know who he is at the end of the day. You know that he's not... Like he's not an everyday starter and he shouldn't be. He's a third down guy. He's a situational back. And whoever picks him up will be lucky to have him. Um now Gore. Gore was Gore was the guy. I loved Gore. I love seeing Derek Gore run. And freaking uh, Andy Reid compared him to Barry Sanders, I believe. I could be wrong. He could have compared him to some other running back. But he compared him to a really good, or no, it was Gail Sayers, I think he uh, he compared him to. So that was who he, yeah. And to me, I think Gore reminds me a lot of Priest Holmes. That's how how I see him when he runs out there. He looks like Priest Holmes running. And I, that's when I really grew up watching the Chiefs was those early 2000s uh, days with that beautiful offensive line. Trent Green, who was... Uh, you know, good and decent game manager, but we try to make him a franchise guy when he just isn't. And our our game was built around Priest Holmes in the run game. And you had Tony Gonzalez, who was a possession guy in the end zone, in the red zone. So um, that's what, you know, we hope with, uh, you know, Gore, you know, hopefully Gore can get, you know, some more playing time this year. Maybe he can be a little bit more situational. I believe in him. I don't want him just to be a practice squad guy. Um, and then you got Michael Burton, the fullback. Now, I love fullbacks. I'm, you know, Ryan Tracy. He's the uh, host of 
He's one of the hosts of Locked On Chiefs, and he uh, runs RGR Football. He he loves fullbacks, so he's always talking about him, and he hosts Michael Burton all the time. And I love Michael Burton. You saw the explosiveness from him, the power, the speed, the you know the blocking abilities. Now Sherman will always forever be at our hearts. Shermanator, the sausage, and you know they even made a play for after him called Smoke Sausage, but you know. Burton is a lot more athletic. You can see it. He's a lot faster. And they and I just wish they would probably do more things with him. Run more pro, one more power. And I that's what I hope that we start seeing Andy do is running more eye formation. You know, get the fullback out there. You have an athletic fullback. Run him out in the flat. Let let Pat dump it out to him. You know, there's a lot of there's barely a lot of teams out there that still use a fullback. We're one of them. I know the Ravens still use him. Pat Ricard, he's a he's huge, but they utilize him in so many spots, and he's technically their fullback. Um, so you know, I, that's what I hope. I hope that you can use him a lot in screens, have him do those fullback belly plays like he did in that uh, his only score of the year uh, in the LA uh, Charger game. So the goal is, you know, we kind of hope that Andy Reid can kind of implement, you know, new wrinkles because. You know, this offense needs to evolve. You know, losing Tyreek Hill, losing Tyreek Hill was a blow, but it needed to happen. And seeing how the receiving core, you know, that died down. The Legion of Zoom, it's done. That was the first phase of Mahomes' career, the Legion of Zoom. That is done. Now we're on to another one. We don't know what it's going to be called. We don't know how the future holds. But at least in the receiver receiving core, we're seeing some changes. And... Some major changes, to be honest, because it's the complete opposite of like type of receivers we've been used to. Essentially, kind of like somewhat Sammy Watkins, a little bit more, maybe more Byron Pringles, probably taller, you know, more athletic, obviously better. Um, and that started with getting Juju Smith Schuster. And Juju Smith Schuster, he's at least six two. I loved him coming out of USC. He was uh, with uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, and we uh, signed him. His contract was very nice, very team friendly. One million, uh, three million, up to ten million incentives, and you know we signed him, and obviously with hopes to pair him with Tyreek and Hardman and, the, and you know Kelsey, but. You know, we shipped Tyreek out, and now I think Juju is technically the number one receiver. I'm not 100% sure, but he's very athletic. He's good in the slot. He can play outside. He can play the X. He can play the Y. He can play in so many spots, and that's what you're going to need out of him because if you use him in crossing crossing routes, that will open up MVS. He's the other signing that we got, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's a vertical threat. He's long. He's tall. He's fast. He ran a 4-3 at his combine. Um, he's 6-3. Now, Green Bay did say that he has a dropping problem. And he had his, but he had a zero percent drop rate last year, and but he had a twenty percent drop rate in twenty twenty. So we don't know what happened, and um, but in twenty twenty one, I do know that he did have some drops too, but they were in more in key moments. But it was less drops than he did in twenty twenty. But hopefully, hopefully, it's a different environment. You know, he went he went from catching balls from uh, Aaron Rodgers. Now he's catching. Uh, catching balls. I should say catching passes. That's a lot better. He was catching passes uh, from Aaron Rodgers, and now he's catching passes from uh, Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, honestly, maybe maybe it might be a different environment for him, and maybe it might be better for him. 
And he he obviously made the right decision. You're going from an elite quarterback to another elite quarterback. You you know, he said at his press conference that, you know, I had a lot of offers that offered me more money, but I realized it's not about the money. I love winning. I want to win. I don't want I don't like losing. And that's the that's the type of guys you want in this um in this core. And then, you know, we still have uh, McCole Hardman and uh, Andy Reid said at the uh, I want to say it was the coaches meeting that they usually have. And then they I don't remember if they were interviewing him on ESPN or whatever sports network. But he said straight up that we found out what Hardman's good out good at. And he's good at he's good, good at he's good at in space. And he's more better with uh, get off speed. So he has to stop and then go. He can't just run and run routes and keep going. That's not his game, you know. So they started using him more in wide receiver screens. We already know that he was good at the jet sweeps. They started doing a little bit uh, those out uh, RPOs where it's like a quick, quick out to him. It's kind of it's still basically a wide receiver screen essentially, but that's what they found out that he's good at because you know why. He's a punt returner. He's a kick returner. So he catches the ball. He stopped like he stopped and then he runs. That's how what he's good at. So when he's out in space, when he's out in the flat and Pat dumps it out to him, he can stop and then he can go. And I think that's what Andy Reid realized. And that's what I hope that they use him a lot more because he honestly, believe it or not, Hartman can be in a thousand yard receiver if you keep using him in that way and let him get yak. He's not going to run down the field and get a perfect route like a post route or a post corner and score unless he's just wide open. And I think he was a lot in that AFC title game. That's ultimately why him and Tyree Kill were getting into a lot on the sideline. Um, Pat's got to open his eyes to that. I know there's a trust factor there, but Hardman, Hardman also needs to step up, too, in a lot of ways. Um And then you got Corey Coleman. This was a guy they recently just signed in free agency, like a small pickup. Don't know where he's going to be at. He could be Marcus Kemp's replacement out of at the end of the day, Um, you know, or Kemp might just find his way back on the practice squad because he just him and Dieter just don't seem they don't they don't want to leave. They they love the Chiefs. It don't matter what if they're on the practice squad or active roster. And you know I respect that though in the ways. Um, then you got Josh Gordon, uh, Josh Gordon. I mean, we should know we're never going to see that 2013 version of him that, that Josh Gordon is gone. You can't just sit out years, you know, due to suspensions and this and that I get you trained, but it's different when you put the pads on. And I'm not saying he probably never went out and put pads on or never tried in like those for fun leagues and stuff like that. But Matter of fact, I think he did a for fun league with uh, it's like that fan uh fans uh controlled league. I think uh Menzel plays in it. He plays for like the Zappers or something like that. Uh, it's kind of kind of dumb in my opinion, but Josh Gordon. I mean, they're giving him another chance, and you know he he needs an off season. I think having an off season with the team will really be good for him obviously and growth to his game help him maybe get you know get back to someone where he was because if you look at New England he was productive he had 700 yards in New England and you want that you want you want a guy who can get 6 to 700 yards that's very productive in an offense especially if you already have better guys in front of you so with the uh receiving core you see that Andy Reid's kind of getting bigger 
Hopefully, he might start running more vertical routes. I'm not saying that defenses are going to back off from the cover, too. They may say, you know what? It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. We don't care. We're still going to have everybody back deep. We know that Tyreek Hill is not here anymore. But they may change. I mean, Tyreek Hill was the reason why all these additions really came to the AFC West. I mean, Travis Kelsey, yes, he's still dominant and everything like that. But he, it's it's kind of starting to show that some safeties can kind of take him out. I mean, he had some games where he wasn't getting. He had like 20 or 30 yards. He wasn't getting a lot of catches. And he's dropped some two this year. But Pat was trying to force feed Tyreek Hill over and over and over and over and over again. And that's why you saw the offense struggle. That's why you saw Pat struggle. You know, he he wasn't comfortable with the line yet, I'm sure. And then he's he's trying to force it to Tyreek. And Tyreek's getting clouded by so many guys that, like, why? And then even when the times when, you know, Tyreek Hill, he did have an opportunity Slip right off his hand, go right into the uh, defender's uh, hands, and then be interception. You know, he caused a pick six in the Buffalo game when we got our asses kicked in the regular season game. Um, but, you know, I think Andy Reid realized after trading Tyreek, even though we wanted to keep him, um, we wanted to go a different style of uh, receiver. And Hardman is still kind of that short speedster, but... You know, we don't have as much, we don't have as like that, you know, small stacked, you know, speed guy that we're used to seeing. Like those guys, those explosive guys that just take the top off of defenses like Tyree Kill was. Um, and I was like saying, you know, just imagine if you had Travis Kelsey, Jody Fordson out there on one side. Then you had MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, if Gordon's there or maybe your draft pick. Like I said, you don't know. You don't, you know, we have a draft pick. We could we could take a, uh, we have two first rounders, a 29th and 30th overall pick. We can take one in the uh, receiver, one of those picks, probably the 29th or 30th. Or you could wait to the second or third round. It's a deep receiver class. Personally, me, I hope they go edge first, but we're not going to talk about defense just yet. Um, anyways, but yeah, there's so many options they can do. I really think... I really think that this change of the receiving core was needed. I'm liking it. I love the additions. I love MVS. I like Juju Smith-Schuster. Make sure if you do call MVS by his full name, it's Marquez. He did make sh- he did say that uh, to the beat reporter in his first press conference. He corrected a couple guys. Um, but anyways, I think that that was a necessary change of the receiving core. Now let's get into the tight ends. You 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 have Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey will always be Travis Kelsey, but he's getting older. He is. He's thirty three, I believe. He'll be thirty three. You know that's that's getting up there for a tight end. He's he gets smacked. Tight end or uh, safeties, corners, big body corners. They are doing whatever they can to hit him. They don't care because they know he's getting older. And he's not going to want to take these hits as much. And Pat's going to have to realize that, too. Don't don't force shit into him unless you know you're, you're confident that he's going to be there to, you know, actually really get it. And I'm not saying Kelsey can't do it. Kelsey's the most dominant tight end in NFL history. We're, the rate that he's going, the records that he's breaking, it's never going to be repeated by anybody else. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Um, so, you know, use, utilizing him, you know regularly but not excessively if that makes sense and that comes down a lot on pat really utilizing your checkdowns a lot more 
you know, dumping the run, dumping out to the running backs. He started doing a lot more towards later in the season, but Pat, Pat's going to get trigger happy a lot. You know, he's going to want to, you know, pass, pass like crazy, like do his sidearms, his crossbody passes, his shit like that. They brought back Blake Bell. Now, Blake Bell is who he is, and we don't want him out there passing the ball, uh, doing pass catching like that, unless he really has to. Excuse me. Sorry about that. But yeah, you, you don't want Blake Bell out there, you know, pass catching like that. He's he's your blocking tight end. He's that's why they call him the belldozer. He's good at that. You want him doing that. Um I know they started doing the QB sneak with him because he was a former QB at Oklahoma. I don't know how much longer that's going to keep working before teams know that that he's the one that's QB sneaking because they do not want Pat ever doing that again. I know that that was just a freak accident. I think if he were to QB sneak, he'd be fine now. But I think it's just the risk that they're just not going to take it all. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Um, Noah Gray, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say talk shit on the guy. I mean, he's, you didn't see anything this year. I know that they really hyped him up in training camp saying that he was like a white stallion. And I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't have potential, but he's a tight end from Duke and I'm sorry, but Duke football, Duke's not really about football. And I think anybody would tell you that. And he was a tight end from Duke. And his stat, like if you look at his stats, he didn't really have appealing stats like that coming out of college. Whereas, you know, Travis Kelsey was doing this and that, playing wildcat quarterback, doing a whole bunch of shit. Now, I know we need to find a replacement. And I, I, I think maybe Fortson might be that guy. I'm sorry. I don't think Noah Gray will be. Noah Gray might be here because he's cheap. He's a rookie. Or he's not a rookie anymore, but he's on his rookie contract. Um, but I think they really have faith in Jody Fortson. Hopefully he comes back good from that Achilles. That Achilles rupture sucked. As we were starting to see flashes of him. He had scored already two touchdowns. And he had a play where he mossed over uh, Landon Collins. And then the very next play, he ruptures his Achilles. But they placed a tender on him. They're bringing him back. I think they see the potential. They know who he is. He's worked his ass off to be here. And hopefully he can maintain health and be that dominant, that second dominant tight end that we need. Because we need a second and second end. We need a second dominant tight end. You see how Brady had Hernandez and uh, Gronkowski? That was that 12 personnel. You know, maybe we'll run more 12 personnel. Maybe we'll run 13 personnel. You never know. But we need another competent tight end in there just to compliment Kelsey. And, you know, whenever Andy decides to run the ball, if you have, you know, Rojo out there, you want to put an extra tight end for extra blocking. Maybe throw that uh, extra offensive lineman, your swing tackle out there or whatever case may be a guy to check in. But, you know, you want, you know, your extra tight ends out there to chip. You want better blocking. So, I, I think maybe, you know, going more power, more, you know, I form more, you know, still incorporating play action more in the gun, you know, doing things like that, helping pad out, just stay in the gun, bruh. So you can just walk up in the pocket if you need to, you know, I mean, generally you kind of don't want to do that, but you know, before it collapses on you, 
And Pat's always going to roll out. And we saw that he was able to flow with his line, you know, the way that he was comfortably uh, wanting to flow with the line. So, um, and then, you know, it, like I said, this, it, at the end of the day, you know who it really kind of comes down to? It comes down to 15. No matter what Andy decides to do with this offense, it's going to kind of come down to 15. It's going to kind of come down to him evolving his mind in this game. We saw the first phase of Mahomes, and he had the Legion of Zoom. He had players that can do ad-lib things. He had Tyree Kill. He had a Sammy Watkins at a point, um, you know, and I know Demarcus Robinson's, you know, we don't like, you know, he's not that good, and he runs backwards, but I rec- I can recall in 2018, he had flash plays, and I thought maybe he was going to be something in this offense. Go back to 2019 in that Raiders game. He had over 100-some yards, and he was balling. Everybody thought that this guy may have found himself and was going to be a legit receiver. Hell, even the following week in the Ravens game, the home, the home opener that season, I was there. He caught that one-handed pass in the end zone. And I was like, okay, okay, D-Rob. Um, you know, he wasn't necessarily fast like the Legion of Zoom was with Sammy Hartman and Tyreek Hill. But he kind of was part of that, you know, essentially in ways, like at least the group. They considered him part of the group. And Byron Pringle was. Byron Pringle became that guy that had to step up once Sammy Watkins was gone. Um, So, you know, even though he's in Chicago now. And, you know, I liked Pringle. I thought they were going to bring him back because he had grit. But he saw his worth better. And I think that was, I think the way he got paid, they weren't going to go that way. And, again, Maybe it comes down to just changing the culture, changing everything that, you know, which needs to happen. You know, we did it on defense. They did it on the offensive line. Now they're doing it in the receiving core. It's like we're seeing different groups just change one by one. Running backs will, it'll always be a running back by committee system and uh, Andy Reid system. But that will just be, you know, that they won't ever change that part. But we'll see different running backs throughout the years. You know, CEH, like I said, this might be his last year with us. We don't know. It all depends on how he can stay healthy and what and how consistent he can be. You know, I'm not necessarily saying I want Ronald Jones to start over him. I just know that Ronald Jones is a hard runner and we've seen how hard he runs. Um, But like I said, this kind of comes down to Patrick Mahomes, you know, how well is he going to be able to change his mind, change the way he plays, not take risks all the time? You know, see the running back out in the flat. If he's wide open, throw it to him. He's going to get you a good 11 yards, seven yards maybe, seven plus. He'll get you the first down most likely. But you just need he just needs to learn to be patient, learn to, you know, utilize his backs more. You know, take what's take what's there. Take what the defense is giving you. And he started doing that more towards the end of the year. I'm not saying he's not capable of doing it. We just know that he he wants to score at will. And I think we want him to score at will. That's that's Patrick Mahomes. You don't want to take any of that away from him. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you want this offense to be able to flow and to be able to evolve when it needs to evolve. I mean, you look at Tom Brady's offenses that he went through. He went through, uh, you know, with him being a game manager and, you know, he had a decent receiver and a decent running back and, a, 
you know, good line, but his it, it was his defense. His first three Super Bowls, his first phase of his career was him being a game manager and, and winning Super Bowls with a good defense and a good kicking game. You know, now that's completely different. That's not offense, but he was a game manager and didn't fuck up. He didn't screw up anything. Um, and then his second phase is when Tom Brady was like, "Damn, this 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 dude's cold." He had the he had Moss, he had Wes Welker. That was his second phase of his career. And then he went to the third phase with the 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 building of the twelve personnel, the two tight end system, with Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski. And then the fourth and final system, uh, system, the fourth and uh, final uh, phase that he had in uh, New England was with the Band of Brothers, I like to call it. And that was with Edelman, Amendola, Chris Hogan, and Gronkowski still, obviously. And those white boys were cold. I mean, he he utilized them all in ways. And let me go back to uh, the 12 personnel phase, the phase before that. He had Danny Woodhead, who was very, very good as a running back who can catch out in the flat in that phase. I mean, he went to Super Bowls with every phase that he's played with in New England. And that's the goal that I hope that Patrick Mahomes can have with Kansas City. I hope that each phase that this man is a part of, of this offense, that he can win a Super Bowl or at least bring this team an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. All right, guys, we're going to next we're going to get into the mock draft. All right, Chiefs Kingdom. Now we're going to get into this podcast's first mock draft. Now, I like to use Pro Football Network's mock draft simulator. I know there's Pro Football Reference out there, or I mean Pro Football Focus. Uh, their, their mock draft simulator is cool, and I like how they give you the grades per player and per um, actually the overall grade of your draft. But what I don't like about that mock draft simulator is if you want to pull up the report on the player, it won't let you back out. You actually have to go ahead and pick that player. So it's like once you look at the report, you have to pick it. Or I could just be dumb and not know how to use that one. Um, but we're going to go ahead and use uh, Pro Football Networks because it's just easier and I just like how it's set up. Now, we're not going to do a full seven-round draft. I know there's a seven rounds in the actual draft, but we're going to do five. Uh, I just think that... After like the fifth round, like, I mean, once you get into the sixth round, now obviously you can find gems and I'm not saying you can't find good players late in late rounds, but usually you start seeing like those, you know, non-positional valued picks and usually those picks are kind of traded away and we have four seven round picks. So I just, and I don't know what Brett Beach is going to do with them. I don't think we keep all those. So just for today, we're going to do a mock draft 1.0. Um, Kingdom Connects Mock Draft 1.0, and we're going to do five uh, rounds of it. And what I like to do is I like to speed up the draft. I'm not, I'm just impatient. I want to wait for every team to pick up their player. So obviously with the Chiefs, AFC West, we're going to click five rounds and we're going to go fast. So now, obviously, these are just my draft picks and I, my opinion and my mock I'm going to just go off um, kind of best available in certain picks, but there's kind of certain guys that I do want, you know, and this is just basically what I want out of the draft. And I'm not saying this will happen, but it's just kind of what I want. So we're going to go ahead and get into this. 
Let's draft. Is it going to go? Yep, it's going now. Oh, I thought it would have been faster than that, but no, it's not. Oh, well. All right. Um, looks like the uh, Chicago Bears want to trade us the 39th pick and the 71st pick for our pick 29. Um, I'm For today, I'm going to redirect, reject all trades. I'm going to just pick my pick straight, uh, straight on just because, you know, I can't get into the analytics of that. You know, it's kind of hard for me to understand, especially when it comes to the draft. Um I, you know, I know certain, you know, trade scenarios, but not a lot. So just for today, we're going to go ahead and reject every trade. So we're going to reject that. I have another trade offer, and that is pick 40, um, this year's pick 40, and the 2023 second round pick that was traded from Denver to from Seattle and they want they want our 29th pick of this uh draft and pick 259 and I'm like nope I'm going to reject that one of course. So we're going to go ahead and go ahead and pick and I want to do the defense and we're going to go edge because that's who I want. Now the guys right now the best right now is David Ajabo and then Boye Mafe, Drake Jackson, Sam Williams and Arnold Ebiketti. I'm just going to do top 5. Um now, I personally, out of those top three, I like David Ajabo. He's coming off the Achilles injury, though. Personally, though, if, you know, this is a tough one. You know, I really like Ajabo. Now, Boye Mafe, he fits this defense perfectly based off of, like, his build. And he's like a Spags prototype. And he looks like he has a high motor but coming out of Minnesota. I, you know, look at his tape. He's not like a super flashy player, but like I said, I think his motor is very high. And if you can get a young guy like that, you know, he can kind of do some damage. Um, I don't know much about Drake Jackson or Sam Williams, but Sam Williams, I heard, is more like an outside linebacker. So uh, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, now, I know that defenses are kind of evolving, so I it, there's really no such thing as a scheme fit kind of now. I mean, you just need speed off the edge with power, too. Um, Arnold Ebiketti, uh, you know, I'm not super high on him, but, you know, he's I heard he's a decent, you know, decent edge player. Now, we're, we're getting out of the top five, but the reason why I want to is because Cameron Thomas. The only reason why I'm saying this is because Cameron Thomas has been linked to us. He's a true Spags guy. I mean, if you look at him, he's kind of like uh, Chris Long. I would say like his build is Chris Long or his build's like, you know, uh, I don't want to say a J.J. Watt, but kind of like a T.J. Watt. But he can play inside or outside. He's, he's He led the NCAA in pressures. So, I mean, I know that Spags is not really a super big sack guy. He's a pressure guy. I mean, he wants sacks. I'm just talking shit. But he says how much he likes his edge guys to get pressure. He's just his whole D-line in general to get pressure. Um, but for today, since we have the 29th and 30th pick, those are back-to-back. -back. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to double up on edge. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get – because 
there it's a deep receiving class. I know that a lot of people were saying, oh, we need to get a receiver probably with one of those first round picks. They may trade one of them. I'm not 100% sure. But today, I think I'm going to double up on edge. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to draft David Ajabo. Not only he's hurt, but we're going to draft him. Now, we obviously have a 30th pick, and the Raiders want to give us a boatload of picks for that pick. Uh, the 86th pick, the 126th pick, and next year's one in next year's second, one in next year's third, and one in next year's fourth. And we're going to go ahead and reject that. So fuck you, Raiders. And then now the Falcons want to trade us the 43rd and 58th pick for this 30th pick and pick 135. And no. And I'm going to go ahead and draft Boye Mafe. I know those are the two best up there. And here's my reasoning for this. So why I wanted to double up on edge. Boye Mafe can be your player now. He can be your starter now. We don't know the recovery time for David Ajabo, but I'm assuming he's probably going to miss the entire season. He's probably a 2023 player. But he's a guy that you want. You want to get a guy like that. And I personally believe that if you you know get him, then you get a guy like Boye Mafe, who I just drafted on the, for the 30th pick. You have him as your as your play now guy. You can have David Ajabo be your 2023 project, and he can replace Frank Clark because I do not see Frank Clark being on this defense in 2023. They brought him back because it was the best thing to do right now, but he will not be on this defense in 2023. And he can replace David. Uh, David Ajabo can replace him in 2023. They were the same number. Ironically, David Ajabo said he idolizes Frank Clark. They both went to Michigan, and maybe maybe there might be some routing there. Maybe they might know each other on a personal level. I don't know. Um, but they, he wears the same number as him, so I'm assuming if he replaced Frank Clark, he'd be taking 55. So that was our first two picks, uh, pick 29 and pick 30. We took David Ajabo at 29, and we took Boye Mafe at uh, 30. Now we're uh, getting into the end of the second round. I just let it, you know, obviously simulate. And we're at pick 50 in the second round. I believe this was a pick that we had got from um, we had got from Miami. Or actually, you know what? Yeah, pick 50 we got from Miami. And Green Bay wants to trade the 53rd and 132nd for this 50th and 259. So we're going to reject that. Um, we're going to go ahead and go cornerback. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and look at receiver just, just cause I might stick with the defense. I, I really want this defense to be deep, uh, defense. I really want this draft to be defense, defensive heavy, but I'm just going to look at the receivers and see what's left out there. Okay. That's tough. Now, we have the 62nd pick. I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go corner because I just I know that they they don't really see corner as I mean, I don't know if Spags really values corners like they say they he doesn't, but you see how we've been kind of rolling with cheap corners the last 4 4 or 5 years. You're getting a guy like Breland, Charberry Ward played on cheap deals, and then 
Fenton's on his rookie deal. Uh, Baker was on his rookie deal. I mean, I don't. We don't even know what's happening with Baker either. So we're gonna go back to defense. We're gonna go to corner. Now they have Kyler Gordon. Well, there's there's four guys that I'm really looking at. Um, Tariq Woolen, he's out of uh, UTSA, and his scouting. Oh, he's he's big corner. I mean, I they. <laughs> He's physical, and that's what that's what Spags likes. And I mean, he's there. Uh, his RAS, his relative athletic score is nine point six seven. That's it's good. So uh, that's what you need. You need those tall, physical corners, especially at the NFL level, because they're they're guarding uh, receivers that are as tall as them. Um, he, he, you know, he was uh, he was blessed with some good measurements and stuff. He has long, like long arms. His wingspan is good. And but I really, really wanted a guy like Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati because Cincinnati's defense was really good. But, you know, I mean he's he's the fourth best guy on this list. I'm mean, look at his, you know, look at his report. Um they say that, you know, he was behind he was behind, you know, Sauce Gardner, but he deserves his due. He's not flashy, but you know, he's very, very smart, and I think he has like that fundamentals. Fundamentals is what makes him good. And he's good in space. He's a really good zone guy. And that's the I know that Spags likes to run a lot of zone, but I know he likes to run a lot of man blitzes too. And when we're in dime and we're running a lot of those overloads or those all-out blitzes, you know, zeroing guys out, um, you know, he wants those tall physical corners that I can, you know, press. So that's that. I'm going to look at uh, Kyler Gordon out of Washington. Washington seems to produce like very good DBs. Obviously, we got a guy like Marcus Peters out of Washington. Um, he's not very tall, but, you know, he's fluid. He's got smooth hips. He's very fundamental. Uh, you know, he, he he's good. He's very athletic, though. Um, he is... What was his 40 time? His agility time was 3.87. Wow, that's good. Uh what? But they don't have his they don't have his um 40 time on here, but uh I mean he said that you know he can get low in his stance. He's very quick, he he he's a very smooth, uh fluid uh in coverage. But I don't know. I mean they don't have much about him. And I never really paid attention too much to Washington. I'm going to go ahead and take Tariq Woolen. He's there. I mean, you kind of have to. So I drafted Tariq Woolen in the corner. Now, we're at the 62nd pick. Uh, I I see Christian Watson got taken. I really wanted him, but maybe there might be someone else there for us. Because I'm going to look at the receivers. I'm rejecting all these trades. We got a couple of trade offers, but I'm rejecting them. So we're going to go to offense, and we're going to go to the receivers. Now they have Jalen Tolbert, Romeo Dows, David Bell, Justin Ross, Calvin Austin, Wondell Robinson, Kalik Shakur, you know... We're probably going to have to go to, I mean, Jalen Tolbert, he's he's the best available. I really wanted Christian Watson, but I knew he was going to get taken. Um, who, where's, 
Where did Jahan Dotson got taken? Where did he get taken? Ah, uh, he got taken by the uh, Jets at pick 38. Uh, Romeo uh, Daubs out of Nevada. He's 6'1". You know, he, he, he faces a lot of contested catches. I don't really know too much about him, but instead of trying to go for the big one-handed grab, he can lead, which can lead to incompletions. He's uh su- surprisingly surprisingly silky smooth with his change of direction. He reminds me of a little bit of a Saints receiver, Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. That's 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 good. David Bell out of Purdue. He's six foot. He's good. They might you know they might take David Bell. I mean. He's, you know, he he's good change of direction ability. He, you know, he shows good route running. Um, and he does, he makes his defenders miss in the open field. That's what you want. I like guys who can break tackles. I mean, just, you, know, you got Justin Ross from Clemson. He's big. Um, really good boundary guy. He can pluck the ball in the air. But I don't know. His RAS is 2.5A. It's not super high. He could, He's just a contested catch guy. I mean, do you want to go that big? I mean, that's kind of the style of how the offense is going. But, you know, you really want speed out there, too. Got a Texas Tech guy. I mean, you know, Pat's a Texas Tech guy. So I'm going to go ahead and look at his stuff. Um, he has elite size, length, and athleticism. He can be a three-level threat. Uh, that's, that's good. You know, he's an impressive athlete, tremendous run after the catch. He owns, he owns superb explosiveness and has the burst to create an elongate space after the catch. He also has a deep speed to stack defensive backs. Hmm. That's tough. Ah, that looks good. That kind of took me right there. I'm probably going to go with the tech guy. Uh, Not because we're both named Eric and not because he's from tech and Pat's from tech, but I love speed and he's got the bill. He reminds me of Sam. He's actually, um, wow. Well, they got him listed here at 61209, but at six, they say right here in his bio, they had 6'3, 220 pounds. So I'm going to go ahead and take. I'm going to go ahead and take this guy. Yeah, Eric Azuzakama is, I don't know how to say that. I never pay attention to uh, Big 12 football like that anymore. So, um, Eric is, is a Kuzaman. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've heard him in other podcasts. I'm sure they've mentioned his name before. I think it sounds, it looks familiar to be honest now that I try to, uh, spell it out or say it, I should say. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take Eric is a kum is a kunama. I'm I don't know. I'm but I'm I'm sure I'm botching it. So we're gonna go ahead and take him though. I know Nick Benito just got taken, and uh, that was my homie Tyler, uh, my co-host on the Arrowhead Boys podcast. I know he really, really, really wanted um, Nick Benito. He's he's good. He's really good. And, of course, Baltimore Ravens took him because they like to go through edges like it's no one's business. And him and uh, Owe, Jason Owe off the edge, probably might be a good combination. <laughs> might not have been good at letting him, you know, fall to uh, them. But 
Oh, well. So we are at the 94th pick in the third round. Uh, we're going to go back to defense because, like I said, I want this defense, I want this uh, draft to be a defensive heavy picks, defensive heavy picks. So we're going to go defensive tackle. We're look at the defensive tackles. Oh, well, there's a guy out of Michigan. I'm going to look at him, Chris Hinton. Let's look at his stuff. 63205. He uh he's great with strong base, built like an offensive lineman. Ah. Isn't bursting. He isn't bursting with the potential. He demonstrates saw explosiveness off the snap as a pass rusher, and he has good lateral mobility for his size when stunting. His torso flexibility and natural balance presents as well. He he can contort contort to wrench down anchors, then explode forward with momentum. That's that's really good. I mean, that's a that's a good. He's not that tall though. He's only six three. You know, Chris Jones is definitely taller than six three. I'm gonna go ahead and look at other guys. I really loved uh, uh, Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State. I mean, I'm kind of a Ohio State guy when it comes to football, but he's not super tall, but he's very very athletic. Very athletic, and he's a good pass rusher, and that's what you kind of need. And I don't know. I mean, he can really push the pocket. I mean, I've seen his film. He he develops a lot of pressure, and if you have him and Chris Jones up the middle, that might make the edges jobs a little bit serious. At least the edges that are worth the damn. Um, so we're gonna go to we're gonna go ahead and go with Haskell Garrett because I just like him. <laughs> All right, our second pick in round three. I believe that pick that we just got was the one that we had got from uh, the one that we had got from uh, who do we just trade for? We just trade with Miami. Now I believe the hundred third pick is actually our legit pick in the draft. I could be wrong. I could get that mixed up, but we're going to look at safety. Um, I've been high on this guy, Nick Cross. I've, I've heard him talk to many, uh, uh, podcasters and stuff like that. Chief chiefs podcasters, and they're high on him. And I've looked into his, uh, film. He's really good. He's long, he's athletic, he's fast. He can do a lot of things. Maybe if you put him more deep and let, uh, Justin Reed kind of rotate in with him and then let Thornhill probably play up more in the box a little bit more. Maybe let him be more that run support safety that they had Sorensen do because, I mean, Thornhill, he's good, you know, in coverage, but I feel like he's lost a step since his rookie year. You can kind of see it. You saw it in the divisional game against the Bills. He was he was letting things go over his head. Granted, not having Tyron Matthew back there sucked for every defensive back in there. And when you're having Daniel Sorensen lead you, that's a problem. Oh, sorry about that. Um, so we're going to go ahead and go with Nick Cross, the safety. Um, so I took a safety, like I said. Defensive heavy draft. Uh, oh, Tyler Beatty out of Missouri just got picked at the 120th pick. Now we are at the 121st pick, and the Raiders want to trade with us, but we're not trading with they asses. All right. Um, uh, at this point, I'm going to look at the linebackers. 
We got let's Terrell Bernard out of Baylor. 220 pounds. He's a little underweight. Uh, he's solid athleticism. He's a little explosive. Let me see. But I'm looking for what I want is um what I want is coverage skills. His closing verse is strong. He's got lateral athleticism. That's what we want. Well, he doesn't really talk much about his um, coverage skills. But you have JoJo Doman. Now, he's really good out in Nebraska. Me and my buddy Todd have been really high on him, especially him. Uh, he, especially Tyler, he's been high on JoJo uh, Doman out of Nebraska. He, They have him listed as a linebacker here, but... If you get on the Nebraska's website and their depth chart, he's listed as a linebacker slash corner, which I mean, I think we kind of have a guy like that. And uh, I want to say Zane Anderson, I believe. And I do not hope he is. I really do not hope that he's uh, um, whose replacement Daniel Sorensen's trash man ass his replacement. I I just don't because he kind of showed some screw ups in you know towards a couple the couple of games towards the end of the season you just don't want that if he's already showing that I mean maybe it could have been rookie mistakes but I don't know then you have James Houston the uh, fourth and he's out of that linebacker at Jackson State now he he's more of a outside linebacker edge kind of like he looks like Melvin Ingram the way he plays he's a in between guy, he could kind of play both hand in the dirt and standing up, but he racked up a lot of sacks this year. Now I know he played for HBCU, doesn't have any stats on him. They're not, you know, they don't have nothing. But he's six one two forty, good pass rusher. I mean, he would be good, man. Maybe you could add him to this defense, but then you have JoJo Doman. You know, maybe you need a guy that can replace Daniel Sorensen. Maybe you can blitz him a little bit more. They don't have his stats. So he's six one two twenty eight. Uh, for me right now, it's between James Houston and JoJo Doman. I want as many as much pass rush, but we need a coverage guy like that. You know, if they would have went out and got a guy like Julius Peppers, I wouldn't have worried about you know this. But now I'm worried about it. So we're gonna go with. You know what? I like pass rush. We're gonna go with James Houston. We're going to go with him. He's a linebacker, but he's a pass rusher too. So we're going to go with him. And maybe you can kind of pair him and he could be a situational guy on like third downs. All right. Now we're at the 135th pick. We are going to go to offense. And we are going to go to offensive tackle. Because we don't know what's going on with Lucas Niang. Um... You know, they signed Jaron Christian. He's a swing tap, tackle type. Uh, we really don't want Andrew Wiley going back at tackle. But I think we need to get more depth there. So I'm going to go look at the tackles. And there's only been really one guy off this list that I've been high on. And that's uh, Rashid Walker out of Penn State. He's a left tackle, and we kind of don't need a left tackle with Orlando Brown in place. And, you know, with him coming here because we gave him the opportunity to play left tackle, he's not going to change it. Um, so 
Rashid Walker, he would be a good swing type. He's more athletic. You could probably bring him bring him in in certain situations, maybe as that uh extra check that extra uh, tackle, the extra blocker out there. Um the swing like I said, the swing tackle and then you can use him in the screen game. You can get him out there in space with, you know, your lighter linemen like your center, like Creed Humphrey or Joe Tooney and stuff. So you're not having guys like Orlando Brown get out there in space. So we're going to go ahead and draft Rasheed Walker. He's the offensive tackle out of Penn State. Now we're going into round five, the last round of this mock draft. Well, actually, that was it. That was the that was the draft, actually. So a little summary of it. We took David Ajabo, pick 29. Um, out of Mich- edge out of Michigan. Like I said, I think he's going to be that 2023 project, the 2023 player out of um, that will come and replace Frank Clark when Frank Clark is no longer here on our, our roster. And then I took Boye Mafe at also edge out of Minnesota. He will be our starter this year, I believe. That's kind of the hope that he becomes that starter opposite side of Frank Clark You know, you have those guys out there. Frank can kind of teach them the way of the defensive line. Chris can teach them some things. I still want them to bring Melvin Ingram back, but it's a long shot. You never know what can happen. But Boye Mafe would be your starter now, and then David Ajaba would be your 2023 guy. Then I went and took Tariq Woolen out of uh, UTSA. Um, He's tall. He's big. He's physical. And that's that's what Spags wants. He's 6'3", 6'4". He reminds me of Sean Smith. I know you guys remember Sean Smith. He was like a receiver playing corner. Then we went and took Erica. I'm not going to say it. I tried to say it again, but I'm not going to say it. Wide receiver out of Texas Tech. He's very athletic, very fast. That's a guy we want to take in the top off. They said that he's very explosive, and he's a Texas Tech guy. I guarantee you um, Pat's been looking at him. We already know that. Uh, pick 94, I took Haskell Garrett, the defensive tackle out of Ohio State. He's really good pass rusher, very athletic, uh, long, can bend, uh, really bull rush. And that's kind of what we need alongside Chris Jones. Then I went and took the safety out of Maryland, Nick Cross. Very athletic, long safety, fast, can play deep, can move up a little bit. You can have him in a rotation. I know Spags likes that three safety rotation and then dime package. And... <laughs> He pro- it's it's crazy because corners and pass rushers are like the elite defensive positions, like the highest value defensive positions. Spags don't give a fuck about corners as long as he has tall physical guys there. He cares about his safeties and his D line. That's it. Um, and then we took James Houston fourth out of Jackson State, linebacker slash defensive end. Um, he's more of a situational player, pass rush. That's what you want. I mean, you look at his stats. You know, I know he played, you know, HBCU and those, you know, those leagues, but in, uh, or sorry, those divisions, but, you know, he's still a pass rusher and that's what we need. And I wanted to go heavy on the pass rush. Uh, that's why I got doubled up on actual true edges. I got the defensive tackle. And now I got the linebacker that can pass rush. And then we finished off with one th- 135th pick and we drafted Rasheed Walker. I really believe that they're going to draft a draft a tackle. I don't know when it's going to come. It can happen in one of those seventh round picks. You know, it can happen earlier than that. 
uh, maybe in the fifth, like I have it. Uh, but you know, this is my mock draft. I mean, I, I obviously this is not gonna happen. This is what I hope for. But you never know. Maybe one of these players might get taken. Maybe they might all get taken earlier than we all thought. Um, but yeah, that's going to go ahead and do it for this mock draft. Uh, and when we get back, we're going to go ahead and finish up with some other news around the league and on the team. Well, Chiefs Kingdom, hope you guys enjoyed that mock draft. That was mock draft 1.0. I plan on doing a couple more leading into the actual NFL draft. So to touch up on some other news around the team, uh, Patrick Mahomes had a Zoom meeting and it was asked of him about the Tyreek Hill trade. And of course, Pat being Pat, he was honest and upfront about it. And he said that he was in a loop about the whole thing prior to the trade, during the trade and even after. And he said that he was happy for Tyreek. He was happy that he got paid all that money that he deserved. And he was happy that he got to go play in a, he gets to play in a place that he wants to be at. And it's close to his family. And, you know, Pat's Pat's a nice guy. You know, he's not going to say anything ill will. So if anybody was expecting that, they can get the fuck out. Um, Pat and Tyreek are best friends. You know, I know a lot of people also speculated, oh, Tyreek Hill wasn't at his wedding. Tyreek Hill does his own thing. That I don't think that had nothing to do with him not going to Pat's wedding. That's just a ridiculous take. But anyways... This needed to happen. Tyree kills in a place where he wants to be at, and Pat's happy for him. Anyways, so specifically getting into Tyree Kill, I want to talk about his contract. So I know it was reported that he was getting four years, $120 million and uh, 30 annually. Now, that's what the big picture says, and that's what a lot of people thought initially. That's what I thought initially. But Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, I just wanted that number to be reported because it looks sexier. It looks better. So he tells all the beat reporters, the Ian Rappaports, the Adam Scheffners, the Tom Pelissero's. He tells them all, hey, my guy's getting $120 million and he's getting $75 guaranteed for four years. You know, and basically thinking that maybe he was getting 30 annually but no he's really not he's getting that 75 guaranteed he's getting 25 mil for three years and then that fourth year is 45 million Tyree Kill's not going to see that 45 million there's just no way they're going to pay him that unless he was like all world like for some reason became like all you know like just more than what he was in Kansas City, which I don't know how you can even do that because he was he did everything here. But anyways, that's that's the real number. He's getting 25 a year and he's not going to see that last year of the contract. Those last years of contracts are always phony years. And that's what I like to call them phony years. And I'm sure you've heard that from other guys. I'm, I think Matt Verderam even said that he 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 calls those like like funky years or like like lying years or something like that. I'm not trying to put words in the man's mouth, but I think he said something about like how that last those last years aren't isn't real, like it will never be seen, which I completely agree. Um but like I, you know, like Pat said, Tyreek Hill's in a place where he wanted to be. He wanted to be in Miami. He did not want to be in Kansas City anymore. Kansas City was gonna pay him twenty five million a year. We were. He just didn't want to be in Kansas City no more. And that's okay. He won a Super Bowl with us. He did what he can do here. And 
not everybody, like I've always said, not everybody has a Michael Jordan mentality. Not everybody wants to win multiple Super Bowls. Sometimes they they can win one and then get paid as much money as they possibly can and live their life out. This was Tyree Kill's last time to cash out. So no one should blame him. We're going to miss him. Appreciate the things he did for us. Appreciate the time he was here. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. He'll be in the Ring of Honor. But it's time to move on because Tyree Kill's moving on. Um, other news, uh, Bruce Arians retired and that was kind of a shocker. Uh, no one expected that. It actually got reported when I was recording my other episode, uh, other episode of my other podcast. And yeah, he just, I guess he retired and went into the off front office. He's doing office stuff now. I can't remember what his specific position is. I think like personnel decisions maybe. So he's going to be Still kind of coaching up a little bit, but in the office, but not as much. Uh, but they hired their defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, as the uh, new head coach. And I, I like that hire. Todd Bowles has been a head coach before. Not the greatest record with the Jets, but no one's going to have a great record with the Jets. It doesn't matter who you are. Rex Ryan was the last guy to somewhat do something with them. And I mean, but I guess like that's a lie. Todd Bowles actually was the last head coach to take him to the playoffs. So, um but yeah, he's a great defensive coordinator. He's the, if you really want to say there was a blueprint to our offense, I, I mean, or how to defend our offense, I should say that he's the one who came up with it because his defense is the one who, who shut us down in the Super Bowl. And his pass rush is the one who got after Mahomes and made Mahomes run for his life. You know, I love Todd Bowles' defensive scheme. It's a traditional 3-4. He runs some Tampa you know, Tampa two coverages, but most of the time he runs a lot of cover two. It's just it's just cover two in um traditional deep corners. He actually wants his corners to play more man than anything. I lied about that. I actually thought they played a little bit more zone until I looked more in the film when they played us, and their corners were still playing a lot more man. It was just their safeties that they had a lot more deep. But their linebackers uh, uh, Devin White and uh, shit, I'm having a brain fart. Levante David, those two are a good dynamic duo, and I think that when you can have two inside linebackers like that, that just play off of each other. Like he knows what Devin White's gonna do, and Levante, yeah, Levante knows what Devin White's gonna do, and Devin knows what Levante's gonna do, and I think Todd Bowles recognizes that. Levante David's been one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. I'm. To be honest with you, and it's sad, I really didn't know much about Levante David. Unless you're like a Nebraska fan or you are a Buccaneers fan, you know, then you're not going to know a lot about Levante David. And he really excelled the moment that, you know, uh, Bowles took over that defense. Then um, they drafted Devin White. And I think having a young guy next to him helps him out a lot. Uh, Well, you know, I'm not trying to get too much in the Buccaneers. This is not a Buccaneers podcast, but that was kind of some interesting news that had happened. No one expected that. And there's been some speculation going around that that's the reason why Brady came out of retirement was because he knew that Bruce Arians was going to the front office. Well, it wouldn't make sense. Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady a lot over the last two years of Tom Brady being here. And Bruce Arians wasn't going to not be Bruce Arians just because he has the GOAT as his quarterback. He wasn't going to do that. But 
Tom Brady realized, you know, Tom Brady's like, you know who the fuck I am? I don't need no damn, I don't need no damn fucking offensive coach. I don't need no damn head coach. I am the fucking offense. And he is. He called his own offense in New England. McDaniels was just there. Tom Brady called his own offense in New England, and that's exactly what he should, he can do in Tampa. I know there's been those rumors about him getting traded in Miami. I don't think that's happening. He's staying in Tampa, but he will control the offense. I, I mean, you're gonna see it, and rightfully so. That motherfucker's pretty much a coach and a, he's a coach and a player, and it combined. It's almost like, um, uh, fuck, who was it? Uh, Scarborough in um, Longest Yard, the coach, I guess his last name was Scarborough, I think. Maybe it was Scarborough. I I could be wrong. I could just be making up a random name. But, uh, you know, he was the coach and he came in and tried to play running back. It's like Tom Brady literally can just have his pads on, play quarterback, and literally just walk on the sideline and get the fucking drawing board out and literally coach up. It's funny. But... No, I I don't really think that's the reality. I just think Bruce Arians is kind of done. You know, he he retired one time at a point after he it was uh, let go from the Cardinals, um, but I he wanted to come back and coach football, and he did, and he won a championship with the Bucks, and I hate that it had to happen to my team, and it had to be against Tom Brady, but it happened, and you can't take that away from him. Um, there really hasn't been any super major signings, but breaking news, Xavier Howard just got a new deal from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, let me try to pull up that new contract details because I want to give that to you guys. Um, it looks like it's the most guaranteed money ever by, um, a corner ever given to a corner. Sometimes I have to get on Twitter to get my information because Twitter will tell you everything. So, oh, it's somewhere. It, it It's a new five-year deal, a five-year extension. <sighs> Let me just search it up and probably be better. Xavier Howard. X-Man. They call him the X-Man, right? That's what I think they call him, X-Man. Because Weapon X was uh, Brian Dawkins. Okay, here we go. Xavier Howard agreed to terms on a five-year deal, $90 million extension. Wow. With $50.6 million in new money. So he's getting 24 annually. So yeah, he's the highest paid uh, corner in the league annually, obviously. That's crazy. Oh, man, these guys are getting a lot of money. So, well, yeah, guys, there's really not any more other news to kind of touch up. That's kind of been the only thing that's been going around the league, at least outside of the Chiefs, was the Bruce Arians thing. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty more leading into the draft. Uh, Tyron Matthew hasn't been re-signed. That's kind of a shocker, but he could be just test, still testing his market. You know, he probably is still betting on himself, and but he's gonna have to kind of come to a conclusion and take what's best available, you know, to him. And 
I wish it would be here in Kansas City, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I know we've been linked to uh, Stefan Gilmore, but he might be asking for a lot of money too. There's also been a link where we're, we might be trading a fourth round pick for James Bradbury out of from New York. He's a good corner, um, but... I don't know. I mean, we definitely need a veteran in the secondary because our secondary is young right now. It's just uh, Justin Reed, uh, Thornhill, Fenton, and Dion Bush, Luck Barco, and um, who are the other corners? DeAndre Baker and Fenton, if I haven't mentioned Fenton yet. Oh, and Legereus Need. So, yeah, I mean, we have a young secondary, so we need some older guys in there. I mean, I don't know. Tyron Matthew, there's still a possible chance. I'm giving it about mm, 10% chance at this point. I know that's not a lot, but it's something. Um, All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Kingdom Connect podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'll get some more information out there, get this thing posted up so you guys can get that out. Uh, you guys can have this and I'll get some information out there on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Well, cheese kingdom connect was real. Jay Marsh and some